In a world where pet dog owners are bombarded on all sides with well-meaning training solutions steeped in confusing jargon, two dog trainers from the ancient county of Dorset share a passion for gardening, Belgian shepherds, and helping frustrated and struggling dog owners turn their unruly canine companions into the perfect walking partner. They vow to simplify the dog training process using everyday examples and solutions providing the light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome to the Fun Focus Play Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Fun Focus Play Podcast. My name is Natasha Lewis and this is Wendy Halliday. We thought we would start um, this very first episode by telling you a little bit about who we are and how we became dog trainers. So do you want to start, Wendy, or shall I? You can start, I think. I can. Yeah, okay. I got, first got into dog training because of my very first dog, to be fair. Um, his name was Darley, and he was a little Sheltie. Now, when I first got Darley, I was working full-time, and I was quite lucky that I was actually able to come home at lunch times for him. The problem we started having with him from a very young age was that he didn't actually like being left alone, which resulted in chewed door frames, holes in the walls, and basically a big mess every time we came home. So to try and help us solve that problem, we actually went to a local dog training club and that's how I got started. So I got bitten by the dog training bug, as we say. And yeah, that's how I got started. What about you, Wendy? Well, I've had several dogs. Um, my very first one I did some obedience work with. She was a jet black German Shepherd. Wasn't what I'd planned on buying. I wanted a sable dog and came home with a black bitch, but... There we go. Um, she was absolutely awesome. Uh, had four shepherds throughout sort of my time with the dogs. And then I rescued, for my sins, a Rottweiler with severe aggression problems, both human and dog. And obviously had to spend a lot of time working with him and ended up doing quite a bit of obedience work. He went through all his good citizens exams and did some agility work with him. And then after he had passed on, I decided to rescue another German Shepherd and go back to another Shepherd. Um, because as I'm getting older, it was sort of obvious that I wasn't going to be able to hold onto a fully grown Rottweiler as I was ageing and falling apart. So I went to a German Shepherd rescue and I came home with a Belgian Malinois Um who was just about a year old, has, well, had a lot of problems. She's, when we first took her on, we actually couldn't touch her. She was sitting in the corner shaking. And if she saw another dog, even if it was in the distance, um, she would actually vomit. So we're now nearly four. Literally vomit? Literally vomit. Wow. She would throw herself on the floor and be sick at the sight of another dog. Oh, poor, poor girl. Um, so she's come a long, long way now. Um, I've done all through my gold, up to my gold good citizens with her. 
which she passed just over a year ago. And I do hoopers and agility with her and rally obedience, which um, is how I met Natasha. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's how we met, wasn't it? Yeah, rally obedience classes, um, which is which are some of the classes that I teach um, at our venue in Millbourne St Andrews here in Dorset. Um, and Dorset, when it's not raining, is a lovely county to live in. Unlike this morning, where oh, it's yes. very, very, very wet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely chucking it out with rain. Got wet walking dogs this morning, did you? I escaped the rain. I was oh, quite lucky. lucky. You. <laughs> yeah, I, I da- did a mad dash while it wasn't um, too bad. I just got a little bit of drizzle. Yeah, um, well, I got some heavy drizzle, so <laughs> it's not. it wasn't as bad as it is now. Um, so, yeah, so we met through my rally classes... But I remember that when you first contacted me, I was teaching in a hall and you said, there's no way my dog will cope. No, it wouldn't go in a hole. So, wind forward, well, probably about eight, nine months. Yeah. Something like that. And I got a new venue, which was an outdoor venue. So Wendy said she would come and join our classes, which she did. So my dog could have space. So we have lots of space at the sports ground where we train. And that was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. For, for Ruby, that was just what she needed. Yeah. And she's come on leaps, leaps oh, and bounds massively, since, since then. Um, and we're now, what, another year and a half later? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All passes so quick. It does pass very quickly. Um, yeah, and, and we now got to the stage where, you know, the girls, my girls and, and your girl, Ruby... They do actually get on there, don't yeah. they? Yeah, they. Um, you know, considering all the the issues that you had with her and with her mm. running away mm. from other oh, dogs and yeah. throwing herself on the floor oh. and vomiting <laughs> and all that. So yeah, so so that's a little bit about how we met. Um, and I was just thinking that. Yeah, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> doesn't help. Um, it's Monday. It's Monday. It's early. We have got cups of tea to keep us going. But yeah, I was just I was just going to say something, and it's just gone flown straight out of my head. So yeah, so um, the other thing that I was going to say is that when I first got my very first dog, Dali, the one that sort of got me interested in dog behaviour and training, is that I did not have a clue about any of it. I really did not. To my shame, I must admit, I actually got my very first dog from a puppy dealer. Oops. Because I didn't know. No. We Lots just, of people don't know. No, we just went to this place in Wiltshire where they were advertising a puppy, uh, a litter of cocker spaniels, it was, and a litter of shelties. And we wanted the sheltie, so that's where we headed off to and you know saw this gorgeous gorgeous litter of puppies had a look at them they looked healthy no sign of diarrhea i picked a puppy i was sort of i did actually ask to see if to see if i could see the mother and they sort of pointed at a dog in their garden but all the puppies were in his shed, which I thought was a little bit strange. But I thought, oh, well, maybe that's the way they do mm-hmm. it. Never had a puppy before. So the one thing was that we were originally going to pick out the puppy and then come back a couple of days later to go and get her. Or him, as it turned out. 
Um, and basically what we did was, uh, once I'd seen the sort of the situation and the setup there, I decided that I couldn't leave him there, so I, I brought him home. Um, so that's that's how I got my first Came puppy. Well, yeah. I must admit, when I, I had my first dog, um, we went hunting, as I said, for a sable dog, and I saw several litters at a proper proper breeders mm. and didn't like any of them and we got to one she said I've got one litter and it's 10 days old and um, you're quite welcome to come and have a look see and see what you think and they were still underneath the heat lamp eyes barely open and she put all of the puppies back in the middle of the room underneath this little heat lamp and they all scarpered back to the edge of the kennel and this little one sat there and went yap 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 and my husband said to me, you're not having that. That's going to be really vicious. That's what I came home with <laughs> several weeks later. <laughs> and she turned out to be absolutely awesome. And she was not vicious. She loved everybody and everything. Uh, yeah. But yeah it, it, it does sort of make a big difference when you actually go to a, to a breeder for a puppy rather than, um, you know, like, like I made the mistake. I went to, to the the. the that puppy dealer then found out when we actually got his papers home that he actually came from um a um um uh, what you call them um puppy Puppy farm in wales that's actually where he came from but you know you didn't actually yeah he'd been bred by my best man and Mm. homed and then taken back by best man because he'd gone as a trophy dog Mm. And he sort of basically he dumped him on me, um, going, "Oh, you'll love this one. You can sort it out. You've had shepherds. You'll love him." Um, it took four days before my husband could actually get anywhere near him, mm. and basically he'd be up on two legs at uh, any person or any dog, and especially children. Oh, yes. children were very yummy. Yes, um, not so I had lots to work with with this yeah. big boisterous forty-two kilo lump. Yeah, but I will admit, as much as he really didn't like people or other dogs with puppies, he had the patience of a saint. Absolutely brilliant with puppies. Loved them. He'd lay on the floor. They could hang off his ears, hang off his jowls. Didn't damn. Absolutely fine. Strange, isn't it? Yeah. But when they reached that teenage age, that was it. it. Yeah. No, we'd flatten them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And very confusing for the puppies, I would imagine. Yeah. We had a, a lovely dog that lived in the village. Um called Alfie whom I actually looked after after I lost Ty and they got on absolutely brilliantly until Alfie reached that age at which point Ty then decided he was just flattened him (laughs) on the floor and that was it from then onwards that we couldn't get them near each other no um, no and and you know when I got my my second dog which was uh, my shadow my first Belgian we did the right thing went to a breeder and um, it was one of those situations where you just come in at the right time. Mm. The breeder had a list as long as her arm for potential homes. And I phoned her up with probably about 10 days to go before the litter was due. Spoke to her and she basically came off the phone and said to her husband, we've got to see, you know, if we've got enough puppies, this lady must have one of our puppies. You know, she's just going to make the most wonderful home. So, yeah, so I actually wanted a dog, a little bit like you. You wanted a a sable dog when you came (laughs) home with a black bitch. And I wanted a dog, but the only um, pup that was available was 
a bitch. So I said, okay, I'll go for the bitch. And I didn't have a choice. We basically went there to have a look at the litter when they were about six weeks old. Six, no, six, six and a half weeks old, I think they were. Looked at the puppies and the breeder said to us, is there any puppy that catches your eye? And to be fair, there wasn't. You know, I just looked at them and I thought, yeah. They're puppies. They're puppies, you know, any of them will do. And when we came back to actually pick Shadow up, and she was the last one to go, um, and the breeder was keeping a pup as well, and the breeder said to me, he said, if you guess right, which of these two puppies is yours? You can take her home. So she took us into this room where this little pup was tearing up the carpet (laughs) in the corner of the room and she was really having a go by tearing this carpet up and I sort of looked at her and said, it's that one, isn't it? And she said, yep. Yep. (laughs) So Shadow came home with us and to be fair, she was... Armed with the troublemaker. (laughs) Armed with the troublemaker and to be fair, she was one of those really special dogs. You know, she was shadow by name, shadow by nature. She was, she would always walk next to me. I didn't even have to teach her to walk on a nice loose lead because she just did it. Automatic. Automatic She's just one of those dogs that sort of decided that I was going to be her human and she was going to stick by my (laughs) side no matter what. She was good with other dogs. She loved everything we did together. We started off doing obedience and she loved it. Um, And then unfortunately she got some... um, health issues um, which resulted in her being retired from obedience Um, we were also doing agility at that stage so she got retired from agility as well but yeah she absolutely loved doing anything and even if she wasn't sure whether she really wanted to do something she would do it because it was me asking she would try because I asked her to she was one of those really really special dogs don't get many of them. No, you don't. Did you ever have a really special girl? Mindy probably was, which was my black bitch. Because um, I did sort of all, all sorts of things with her. She did obedience. I worked her to the sheep as well, because I was very lucky in having a very friendly shepherd not far away. So she was from a puppy was taken amongst the sheep. And one of his friends actually worked for the agricultural training board who helped me train her to work to sheep as well so that was sort of quite unusual with um, having a german shepherd amongst all of the collies as you do oh but yes. she would do things that they wouldn't do and she was very good and yeah because actually the style is different doesn't it it's completely completely different, completely different completely to what different. to way border collies sort of heard um the shepherds actually heard in a completely different style I would sort of describe the style as a, rather than really sort of driving from behind, they sort of more or less keep them on the right. Yeah, Yeah, they they sort of more or less keep them in the right spot, don't they? So they sort of, they almost like work a U, so from one side, so they make sure that the sheep don't wander off the path when they're moving. And they go round the back and then go up the other side. So they go up and down, round the back, up and down on the other and side. They work much steadier yeah. than a collie. They're not sort of so phonetic with the dunk, dunk, dunk everywhere. Yeah. 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 So what you can't yeah. see, um, listeners, is the hand everywhere. movements <laughs> going everywhere. Yeah, my hands have <laughs> to We're talking with our hands a little as bit. As you do. So, as we do, yeah. yeah. Um, and she also 
um, back then we used to do a lot of um, clay pigeon shooting and then my husband um, managed to get out on a, um, a pheasant shoot I think it was and we sort of did a bit of work with her and she automatically went to do retrieve and pick up work of pheasants which was quite amazing and she just did it instinctively we'd never taught her so she did that and I had a friend whose father was on a sh- um, had his own shoot and I used to take her beating and um, she used to work alongside all these sort of gun dogs that have been highly trained to do all sorts of things and she just seemed to know what I wanted her to do without actually saying anything it was quite do you, do you weird. think it was a little bit more of her copying what the other dogs were doing though probably but she would just go and do and my friend's dogs were actually two Jack Russells so she wasn't even sort of following well-known dogs yeah, yeah yeah but it was you know it was she seemed to just know what I needed her to do all the time so yeah and I think I think you know we can talk about a little bit more about that um about psychic dogs in in one of our um other episodes in one of our future episodes because I think it's a really really interesting topic Mm. about dogs that actually seem to instinctively know either what you want them to do or even when you're going to be home because I had that with Dali you know you know when you went out uh, my hours that I was working was really irregular, but he would always st- sit at the front door about ten minutes before I came home. So he knew when you were arriving. He knew when I set off at home, set off for home from work, because it took me ten minutes to get home uh-huh. from getting into my car and coming home. It took me mm. ten minutes, mm. and he used to get up, go and sit by the front door and wait. So you know sort of I think it'd be interesting to, to have a yeah. proper chat about about that and, and, and what's going on there. Yeah. Ruby just waits for us and, to, and she waits for the front door to go and then she'll just about get herself up off the sofa. <laughs> I think she enjoys her peace and quiet times. <laughs> yeah, peace and quiet is <laughs> where, good, where she's not being worked or having anything <laughs> happen. So she she's she's a sort of laid back cool dude now. Yes. So now, I thought that the next thing that we should really tell you guys about is what we're hoping to achieve with this podcast. Basically, as the intro says, dog training is steeped with jargon that no dog owner has a clue about what it actually means. Or even some of it wants to know what it means. Well, yeah, there is that as well. You know, people aren't interested in all the jargon and what it actually means. They just want the Which, action. Yeah, they just want the results. That's what dog owners, the average dog owner is interested in, and that is results. They want their dogs to stop jumping up, stop pulling on that lead and come back when called. Yeah. And there's an awful lot of podcasts out there that do give dog training advice but they do talk a lot of the time in jargon and i just feel that is not very helpful to the normal dog owner what do you think no No. definitely not no No. so we thought we got listening yeah we got together and we thought what we would do is do a podcast about dog training but we are gonna ban all jargon so we are going to be straight talking dog trainers. Yep. You'll understand everything that we say. So that you can really understand everything that we 
are trying to teach you and hopefully you will find these podcasts entertaining as well as informative and hopefully they will help you a little bit with with your dogs and any problems that you may have with them so next week what we will be talking about is and let me just check my notes here just bear with me so next week we are going to cover what you should be doing when you prepare to go out for a walk what do you reckon yeah yep, that'll be a good one good one to start yeah. won't it it's because the one thing people forget it's the one thing people forget it's the one thing that people just grab that lead and go out but actually there's much more to it than that so that's what we'll be talking about next week and ooh, we've got 20 odd minutes now so i think maybe it's time to have another cup of tea have another cup of tea leave this podcast the way it is at the moment and um basically if you liked what you heard today please subscribe to this podcast and you know leave us a little comment or a little review share it with your friends and you know if you want some help from us you can check out www.nightsaberdogtraining.co.uk um, and then you'll find all the information that you need about our training classes that we hold at Millbourne St Andrews in Dorset. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.